to deliver the word of the Lord in your hearing this morning. And um, God's going to help us. God's going to help us. I want to speak today on this subject, when judgment comes. When judgment comes. I understand I've done this a little while now that when God changes maybe the flow of a service, the atmosphere of the service, it doesn't mean God has left. Just means that he's accomplished what he's accomplished and now he desires to accomplish something else. And so I believe this is a very pivotal message for somebody's life here today, for somebody's future here today. And so I'm just going to ask that we would all stay prayerful in our spirits, stay plugged into the moving of the Holy Ghost, and believing that God is going to speak to all that will listen. When judgment comes, God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> the preacher by the name of Paul begins preaching the message that we're going to look at today in the 24th chapter of the book of Acts. And whereas Paul had preached to the masses and Paul had preached to the many, on this occasion, he was preaching to an audience of only two people. One was a ruler by the name of Felix. And the other was Felix's wife, whose name was Drusilla. The Bible records that moment like this in Acts chapter 24 and verse 24. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 24 and verse 24. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Key in now on verse 25. And as he, this is speaking of Paul, as Paul reasoned of righteousness and temperance and the judgment to come. It's interesting here that to me that that word reasoned, he, Paul reasoned with Felix and Drusilla. He reasoned, that word is, is, a, is a Greek word that, that could mean to preach. And oh, did Paul preach that day. He preached on righteousness and he preached on temperance and he preached on the judgment that is to come. In fact, as I was reading this and just kind of putting myself into that moment and in, into that situation, the preacher in me could almost hear Paul declaring the word of the Lord that day. I know and realize it was only two people in the congregation, but any preacher worth his calling will preach to two people just as passionately as he'll preach to 2,000 people. My dad always told me there's something wrong with a guy who preaches less for 50 people than he would for 500. And, and, and you would be hard pressed to find a more passionate preacher than the Apostle Paul. And so I can almost hear the passion beginning to rise in his voice as he begins to declare the word of the Lord that day. 
I can almost see him, Brother Ryan. I can almost see his fist coming out a little bit. I can almost see him kind of starting off sitting down across the table or sitting on a floor, but he's got to stand up because it's like fire shut up in his bones. I can almost see him waving his arms around a little bit in order to emphasize the spiritual principles that he's trying to get across to them. I can almost see in my mind's eye that moment when Paul feels that God-given anointing begin to flow through him and beginning to speak words into his spirit, the exact words necessary for Felix and Drusilla to hear. Now, we don't know what he expounded and how he expounded on these subjects that day. We don't know how he reasoned or what he preached specifically concerning these biblical principles and these biblical truths to Felix and Drusilla because the Bible doesn't tell us specifically what he said. It just tells us the topics on which he preached. But we know he preached about righteousness. and We know he preached about temperance and we know he preached about the judgment that was to come and we know that as a God-called preacher, he must have used scriptures to prove what he was preaching. And could it have been that as it applied to this first point in his message that day, which was the subject of righteousness, could it have been that Paul felt inspired of the Lord to reach back into his understanding of the book of Psalms? Where maybe, just maybe, he began to quote this verse to to Felix and Drusilla, Psalms chapter 15 and verse 1. A psalm of David, the word says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And then he says, come Felix, you got to get this. Drusilla, listen, listen. Verse 2, it says this. He that walketh uprightly and walketh and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. Oh, hallelujah. And from that text, maybe Paul began to preach his message and the first point in his message about righteousness to this congregation of two on that day. And and how many know that that message that he preached concerning righteousness on that day is still just as applicable and worthy of our consideration today? Hmm. For as it was in Psalms and as it was in the time of Paul, so also is it true in the day and age in which you and I are living. For no matter what secular society says and no matter what Hollywood says and no matter what laws may be voted in and no matter what we are bombarded with by a sinful society, the book is still true when it lets us know that the only ones that are going to be able to dwell in the presence of the Lord now And the only ones that are going to be able to dwell in the presence of the Lord throughout all of eternity will be those who work righteousness and those who live out righteousness in their living. Oh, hallelujah. Am I preaching right today? This isn't talking about that which is right. According to what the word says is right, or according to what the world says is right. But rather that which is right according to that which the book says is right. For righteousness and right living and right decisions and right choices and right pathways do not lessen, diminish, 
or decrease simply because a certain culture flounders in a cesspool of unrighteousness. And a life that is living righteously is not determined by those and what those around us may be doing. Our righteousness is not based upon what those around us are doing or not doing. And a life that is living righteously is not dictated on that which is that which the popular people in our world have defined as being right. I want some young people to hear me right now. I want some hyphen to hear me right now. I know our world props up some of these prominent people. Some of these people you may look up to. Stars and athletes and on and on and on. And you may look up to some of these people because of some of their abilities. But let me tell you something. You can admire some of their abilities. But when they began to talk that which is contrary to the word of the Lord, you need not to assume that what they're saying is right just because you appreciate a certain skill that they have. Hallelujah. Because the only thing you see is what you see on a television when they got a ball in their hand or bouncing a ball on a court or on a screen or something. But you don't know the real them and you don't know who they really are. And so you just need to stay in the book. Do you hear me? I said you just need to stay in the book. It doesn't matter what the popular people are saying. It doesn't matter what the people on television are saying. It doesn't matter what Hollywood is saying. It doesn't matter what the NBA stars are saying. It don't matter what they say is right. You've got to know what does the Lord say is right. What does the book say is right. What does the word of God say is a life that is righteous. Come on somebody put your hands together giving praise in the house. In fact, the Bible would prove the point I just made when it says in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, there was a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So that which man says is right and that which man says we should follow after. Many times, if it is followed after, it is going to lead to a destination of death and damnation. I don't care who they are. I don't care how influential they are. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care how many followers they have on Twitter. Doesn't matter at all what they say. If it contradicts the word of the Lord, let God be true and every man is a liar. It may seem right to them, but if you follow after that which seems right to them, it's going to lead to a place of damnation. We got to know what the book says is right. If we're going to live righteously, we got to live righteously according to the word of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I can almost hear Paul, Felix. You need to live righteously, Felix. You study out the life of Felix, he was, a, he was a, not a good man at all. And Paul was trying to influence him towards righteousness and godliness. Felix, you need to live righteously according to the word of the Lord. And you and I in this room today, the same message is applicable to us all because we all need to live righteously according to the word of the Lord. 
I know there's a mindset in our world that's proclaiming that there is no absolute right and that there is no absolute truth. I know our society is all about choosing your own right and living out your own authentic correctness. But I've come to resist that lie from the devil himself today in order to let somebody know the book is right. And everything that contradicts the book is wrong. I don't care how well-meaning they be, may be. I don't care how nice they may come across to you. I don't care what they may have accomplished. Say, well, they've done a lot of good. They've, they've helped a lot of people. Don't matter if what they say is contrary. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. Is contrary to the word of the Lord. Then God be true and every man a liar. Righteousness is based upon what thus saith the Lord. Oh, Hallelujah. And it's only our obedience to the word of God that's going to save our soul. And it's our obedience to the word of God that's going to save our families and save our kids and get us into an eternity forever with Jesus. It's going to be based upon our obedience to the word of God alone. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Woo. Oh, hallelujah. Don't be swayed by their influence. I don't care how much influence they have, don't be swayed by it. Don't be swayed by the pressure you feel from friends. Don't be swayed by the pressure you feel from colleagues. Don't be swayed from the pressure you feel from family members. Uh, come on, you need to understand. Uh, it's the word of the Lord that is going to be the final judge. Uh, it's the word of the Lord because at the end of the day, hear me, LeBron James is not my judge. Some Hollywood actor is not my judge. Some politician is not my judge. I'm here to tell you at the end of the day, the judge is always who the judge has always been. And his name is Jesus Christ. And these are his words. I said these are his words. And we got to believe his words. And we got to live his words. And we got to be obedient to his words. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God is going to stand forever. When LeBron James is dead and gone, the word of the Lord is still going to stand. When the current belief is no longer valid and what they're espousing this week is no longer relevant and when they've changed to the next thing, I'm here to tell you the word of the Lord is still going to stand. It's still going to remain. It's still going to be steadfast. Righteousness. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody thank him for his word. Somebody praise him for his word. By now, like me, I can see the sweat beating up on his forehead, reaching for the towel because he's getting passionate. Righteousness. Then he moves on to the second point in his discourse on that 
specific day, and he begins to teach about temperance. Now, temperance is an important topic to be sure, and I have taught in the past on temperance, and I will teach in the future on temperance, just not today. Because I feel to move to the final topic that Paul preached, because this is where I feel the greatest burden for this sermon today. And I want to make sure we have time. For that final topic that Paul would discuss, Paul would preach about, was the judgment that was to come. I know some may not believe it, and others may not want to talk about it, and others may think that it is an outdated topic to be discussed in the church. But there is coming a day of judgment for every single person in this room and every single person in the world for that matter. And again, we're not going to be judged based upon the views, the laws, the mindsets, or the beliefs of our current culture. But rather, the book would say this in Psalm chapter 96 and verse 13, before the Lord... For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. And how's he going to judge them? What's he going to judge them with? It tells us. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. This is what we're going to be judged with. Righteousness according to his truth. We're going to be judged based upon what he said was right. According to what he said truth was. Irrespective of what others may have said truth was or was not. The book speaks of this day of judgment in another place like this in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Every one of us shall give account of himself to God in front of God, face to face with God to give an account for our lives. Every single one of us, every single one of us one day will stand before the Lord and give an account for how we lived on this earth. Don't tune me out. And in that moment of judgment, our lives will be measured by what this book commands and by what this book has spoken to us. And on that day of judgment, there will be those who are joyous, those who have lived their lives in a way that was obedient to the word of the Lord, their lives will be that of joy. Those who have submitted their lives to the truth of God's word, it will be a joyous occasion to stand before the Lord.
But that day of judgment will be crushing to say the least to those who have chosen to live contrary to what the Bible says. And that day will come. And that day is absolutely going to happen to each and every one of us. And that day is going to be a reality whether we think it is or not. The book says it like this in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else besides me. Ready? A just God. And Savior. How many know he's not just a Savior, but he is also a just God? Now, you need to understand what this means because to understand that, because he is a just God, he rewards obedience. He's a just God. So when he finds obedience, he rewards obedience. Obedience, because he is just. But it is also because he is just that he will punish disobedience. For you cannot be just and just bless obedience. For a just God cannot reward righteousness and ignore unrighteousness. His justice will not allow him to do so. Because he is a just God, not only will he save those who have submitted themselves to his word, but he will also be forced to condemn those in that day of judgment, those that have rebelled against his word. That's what the scripture is referring to when it says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. In other words, don't allow anybody to trick you into thinking that God's love is just going to save everybody and bring everybody to heaven and overlook everybody's mistakes and overlook everybody's failures. But on the contrary, God's not going to be mocked. Every sin that we do not repent for is got to be judged because he is a just God. Every bit of worldliness and sinfulness and disobedience that we sow into our lives will one day produce a harvest of judgment and one day receive a harvest of condemnation if we do not first get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Whatever a man soweth, that's what he's also going to reap. And that doesn't apply to everybody else but you. And that doesn't apply to everybody else but me. The book would say it like this in Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. But after they, after thy hardness and impenitent, 
and penitent. Some, it's one of those two. It's a word that means unrepentant. The hardness of your heart and a heart that is, has not repented. Watch what it says. You treasure up unto yourself wrath. Listen, listen, listen. You treasure up to yourself wrath against the day of wrath or the day of judgment and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds. These verses are plainly showing us that every sin in our life that we do not repent of and every sin in our life that we do not get under the forgiving power of the blood of Jesus Christ, every wrong attitude, disobedient deed, unsubmitted action, every bit of hardness of our heart and, and those things that we refuse to change, those areas in our lives that we refuse to make right, those areas in our lives that we, we, we refuse to comply with the word of the Lord and that which God would want us to live. He says, then that sin, hear me, is going to be accounted towards our lives in the day of judgment. I want you to think of it like this. Every unrepentant sin goes into a ledger. Unrepentant sin. Our name in a ledger. And every unrepentant sin goes on that ledger. And on the day of judgment, we will be judged according to what has been recorded in the ledger. Hear me. Hear me very carefully. It will not be a vengeful God that judges. It will not be an angry God that pronounces judgment for the sinful actions of mankind. It will be a just God. He's not angry. He's just. You see, because for the sinner and for the disobedient and for the unsubmitted individual, they have laid up for themselves judgment. I hope you're listening. They have laid up for themselves judgment. When they refuse to listen to the man of God when he's preaching. When they refuse to repent of their sins and get their hearts right with God. They're laying up for themselves judgment. Every time they hear the word of the Lord instruct them to change. But they don't want to do it and they'd rather just mess around on their phone instead of listen to the man of God preach. They're laying up judgment against themselves. Every time they willingly disobey the word of the Lord because they want to do that which is pleasing to their flesh, they are laying up judgment against themselves. Every time they knowingly refuse to submit their lives to God's will and to God's word, they're laying up wrath. They're laying up the recompense of their actions against themselves. And then the day of judgment comes. And then the day of reckoning comes. And then the day comes when the accounts have to be settled by a just God.
in order to determine what happens next. And God will simply render to you and to I everything we have laid up for ourselves. He didn't put it there. We put it there. He didn't put it on the ledger. We put it on the ledger. He didn't write it in. We wrote it in. Every time an individual walks out of a church service and keeps on living in sin that was preached against uh, when they were in the service, they've just stored up more transgression against themselves. I know this is hard preaching today, but somebody needs to hear the preacher. Every time they've mocked the preacher and made light of the word of the Lord as it was going forth, they were simply placing more and more and more unrighteousness onto their account that one day was going to have to be judged. Every time we sit through an altar service and refuse to pray and refuse to be moved and refuse to repent and refuse to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God every time we laugh off conviction and play around when we should be praying and look around to see what baby we can hold so that we can feel like we're exempt from an altar service. We're simply laying up more and more and more judgment and more and more and more penalty and more reasons for a just God to have to release wrath into our lives. Just like I'm preaching this message today about judgment, so also was Paul preaching to Felix and so also was Paul preaching to Drusilla. And I want you to look and notice how Felix responded. Acts chapter 24 and verse 25 and as he reasoned of righteousness and preached about righteousness and as he preached about temperance and as he preached and you could almost hear it, the judgment to come. You could almost see it, Paul pleading with them, there's coming a day. Come on, Felix, there's coming a day of judgment. I know you've done a lot of wrong things, Felix, but that can change. You need to get right with God. You need to turn your heart to the Lord. You can feel the passion. You can feel the sincerity of Paul's voice. And the Bible says, Felix trembles. But then he answers. And he says, Paul, preacher, man of God, go thy way for a time. And when I have a convenient season, I will call for you. Somewhere in the tortured mind of Felix was a belief in a lie. And that lie was convincing him that what the preacher was saying must not be fully true. Oh, Felix, yeah, 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 he trembled under the weight of the message that Paul was preaching. He no doubt felt conviction rising in his heart momentarily. But Felix, like so many I have preached to, I've watched as the convicting power of God Almighty rested upon them. But they found a way to weasel out of it. They distracted themselves with that which was around them. They distracted themselves with this, that, and the other. They distracted themselves by going over and talking to somebody. Let me just pause for a moment and tell the church something. When the power of God is moving powerfully, and you know that there's somebody that needs to respond to the word of the Lord, if they come to you and want to chit-chat, You need not 
play into what the devil's doing in that moment. Don't sit there and talk to them about this, that, and the other because the only reason they're talking to you is because by talking to you, they feel exempt from talking to him. So don't have a conversation with them. You can tell them this. Say, listen, I'll talk to you for an hour and a half after church if you want to talk. But right now, the Lord is moving. Right now is altar service. Right now, lives are being touched and lives are being changed. Right now, we need to get a hold of God. Right now, we need to talk to the Lord. Right now, we need to experience the presence of the Lord. Now, they might find somebody else, somebody, some other carnal individual to go talk to. But don't let it be you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I'm not preaching angry today. I promise you that. But I am coming against a lie from the devil in this room. I said I am coming against some lies from the enemy. I am reaching for somebody's soul today. Do you hear me? I said I'm reaching for somebody's soul today. So Felix thought there were more pressing matters that he needed to attend to. Felix thought there were more important things that he needed to take care of, which showed me this. It shows me that Felix heard the preacher speaking about this day of judgment that was to come and this day of judgment that he would one day soon face. And yet somehow and some way, Felix was able to twist it in his mind in order to get it to a place where he thought it was not that big of deal. Because if he, if he accepted the seriousness of the moment, he would never have responded the way that he did. And so somehow, some way, he twisted it in his mind in order to get himself to believe this isn't that important. If, if I have time to get around to God, I will. When things quiet down in my life, I'll consider serving the Lord. Stay with me. When I'm done pursuing after what I want to pursue after, then I might turn my attention to the Lord. But I implore you, I implore you, I implore you with all sincerity, with all love and passion that I have in my spirit and soul right now, I implore those in this room to please don't make the same mistake Felix made. Please don't think that what I'm preaching about is not that big a deal. Please don't think that what I'm preaching about has no real consequence. Please don't think that the day of judgment isn't going to be a reality for you. Don't think God's just going to let you pass or let you slide or exempt you from what God's talking about to us today. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17, for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? In that day of wrath, who is going to be able to stand in that day, in that day of judgment and in that moment of realization of that God's word was right and what the preacher was saying was actually true? Standing before God. Him telling us, give account for yourself. And in that moment, this service today is going to come slamming back into the mind and heart of somebody that realizes the preacher was telling the truth. And in that terrible moment, 
when the factuality of this entire book makes its way into the reality of a life who did not believe. In that moment when this book judges and in that moment when we're standing there before the king of all kings, it says, who can stand? You know what that's saying? That's saying this. In a moment like this today, there may be some who metaphorically stand against the word of the Lord. Maybe not physically, but inwardly, you are resisting it. Inwardly, you're saying, just get done preaching, preacher. Close it out, preacher, so I can go home and keep doing what I want to do, preacher. Standing, 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 standing against the word of the Lord, standing against the truth of God's presence, standing against the word that is being preached, standing against the presence of God as it moves in a, in a, in a particular service. But the Lord is telling us today, in that moment, you're not going to be able to stand. You're not going to be able to defy that moment. Whew. Oh, help us, Jesus. Kings will crumble in that moment. Leaders of the world will collapse in that. All of those with sin in their lives will at that moment regret every sin they've ever committed and agonize over every spiritual opportunity that they resisted. Every altar service they did not respond to will come crashing back into their memory. Every godly counsel they didn't listen to will flood back into their thoughts at that moment. Every message they tuned out will suddenly be remembered by them in crystal clarity. For it will be that moment when the word of the Lord will become a reality to them. When it says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 8, But unto them that are contentious... And do not obey the truth, but would rather obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath. Verse 9, tribulation is coming to them. And anguish is coming to them upon every soul of man that doeth evil. He said, well, I'm not doing anything evil. The word of the Lord specifies what evil is when it says they do not obey the truth. You see, you're basing evil upon a current definition of evil. Evil in our world and context is, you know, murdering somebody or molesting somebody. That's evil. No, the word of the Lord says if you do not obey the truth and obey righteousness, evil. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul. I'm hurrying to a close. No one, no one, no one, no one will be exempt from the day of judgment. No one will be exempt from the wrath of God. Mm. But I close with this. After preaching what I've just preached, I want you to understand something about this moment right here. I'm not talking about next Sunday because I don't even know if we'll be here next Sunday. I'm not talking about Thursday because I don't know if we'll be here Thursday. 
But I know for the time being we're here right now. And the book says this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. It's not what he wants. It's not what he has appointed for anybody in this room to experience that moment on the wrong side of that moment. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. But you want to know what he's appointed? But he wants us to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. That's what he wants. That's what he's appointed. That's why he robed himself in flesh and came down and died on a cruel cross called at Calvary. That's why he took the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. That's why he allowed the soldier to pierce his side with the sword. That's why blood and water gushed forth from his side. Why? Because he understood without the shedding of blood there could be no remission of sins. And if mankind was going to be placing judgment and sin on the ledger of their life, there had to be something that was bigger than their sin. There had to be something that was greater than their failure. There had to be something that could erase the ledger. There had to be something that could go to the ledger in the book of life and find my name and begin to erase it all. So that the day comes and when the day of judgment comes and I'm standing there before the God of all heaven and you're standing there before the God of all heaven and he looks up and finds our name and he looks beside the name. All he sees is the blood. I said all he sees is the blood. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't see my mistakes. He doesn't see it all. He doesn't see every time I didn't do what I was supposed to do. The only thing he sees is the blood that he shed for me on Calvary's hill. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. So it doesn't matter who you are today. I'm here to tell somebody there will be a day of judgment for all of us. There will be a day of judgment for all of us. And if we're sinful and if we're disobedient and if we're unrighteous, that's what he's going to find when he looks at our name. And we will be judged accordingly to that. But if we repent of our sins, if we get our hearts right with God, if we get right back with the Lord, if we submit 
commit our hearts and our lives completely and totally to him if we repent, if we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what washes all of those sins away. And then we can be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell somebody today, it doesn't have to end bad for you. It doesn't have to end in an eternity in hell for you. It doesn't have to end with darkness and damnation and gnashing of teeth for you. We can live a life forever with Jesus Christ. We can walk on streets of gold. We can live in a place of no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. Come on. But we've got to get right with the Lord. Stand to your feet. Oh, Jesus, help us. Jesus, help us. So, the decision is ours today. We can walk out of here unrepentant. We can walk out of here unmoved. We can walk out of here unchanged. We can walk out of here with an attitude that says, how dare that preacher preach that stuff to me. We can walk out of here with an attitude that says, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do, how I want to do it. We can walk out of here saying, you know what? I just want to do a little bit more. I want to accomplish a little more. I want to pursue a little more. I'm not ready to give up this, that, and the other just yet, even though I know it's against the word of the Lord. I'm not quite ready to give it up yet, so I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. We can do that. We can live that way. We can think those thoughts because God gave each and every person in this room a free will to do what you want to do. But just know that ledger is going to remain. And please, please, please don't think that we have next Sunday. Please don't think that you've got all the time in the world. Because we don't ever know what could happen. So today, the word of the Lord has gone forth. The blood of Jesus Christ has already been shed. Forgiveness is available to all of us in this room. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ is bigger than your sin. You say, well, oh, my ledger's probably taken up two or three lines, maybe. But guess what? The blood of Jesus Christ is big enough. I said it's big enough to cover over. And so, I want to thank those of you getting a little bit closer to repossessing the altar. Felt a little bit, we made a little more progress today in our prayer service and worship service. So once again, we're opening this altar today for those that feel comfortable. In order for somebody in this room to have an opportunity to get right with God. In order for somebody in this room to have an opportunity to say, God, I'm coming back to you. I repent of my sins. I'm going to serve you with all my heart. 
God, I'm tired of living like I want to live. I'm tired of doing what I want to do. I'm tired of being in opposition to your will and to your word. But on this day, I'm coming back to righteousness. On this day, I'm coming back to a life that is lived by the truths of your word. This altar's open right now. This altar's open right now. I wonder who in the house. I wonder who in the house would recommit yourself to the 